Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. All right, so we had some fantastic technical difficulty. You got to love technology, but we got here, Chris. So you are the chief visionary officer, founder but you like going by Chief Vision Officer for TNT LLC. Correct. Hi, Vinny. Thanks for your help earlier. No, no, no problem. I, you know, it, it took me a while to get acclimated to the new norm and technology and all that kind of stuff too. So we're all in the same boat. So don't worry about that. Um, you have so I mean, I, I've had a bunch of different uh, coaches on this platform, and I think one of the things looking at you from how it describes your company, you first think it's like almost an accounting firm, but it really is more of like a coaching firm of how people project of where they should go and how they can maximize their money. But I know I'm not doing it the, the best by describing it. Why don't you jump into here and kind of give us a little idea of who you are? Ah, who are we? That's, that's a broad sentence. Um, yes, a lot of people refer to us as money coach, finance coach. We do. We work with the nitty gritty on the micro for bookkeeping and then all the way up to forecasting. So a lot of six months to 18 months to 10 years type of forecasting. And then we really come in and we mentor businesses on how to read their numbers. What the heck is a P&L and how do we use gap accounting um, and then translate it to the rest of their teams so their teams can hit measurables and goals and KPIs and that sort of thing. So that's yes. What's your ideal client? How, how big are they? Ooh, our ideal client is typically a small business, so probably 50 employees or less. And so they're still small enough to have that human to human contact and know everybody's name within the organization. Rough guess. How many small businesses do you think out there don't even have a P&L? Profit and loss. <laughs> Uh, one through QuickBooks, I would say probably like 60% of them. So, I mean, like how does that work for you guys when when that's – most people are – I think we always go away from uh, fear, right? I mean, the majority of people out there go away from the idea of fear. And if, if profit and loss is something that they really don't look at on a daily basis, how does that affect you guys kind of saying, hey, you need to look at this? How do, how do you get your business mostly? Ooh, there's two questions in that. So how do we get our business mostly would be referrals. Uh, you can't, I mean, a lot of places can say, hey, is your business in debt? Do you not really know what you're doing? Um, we wouldn't get a whole lot of people calling us. Uh, when yeah. pe other businesses yeah. go through our curriculum and our programs, then they can say, oh my gosh, this business helped me grow 50% and actually know why we make the money we make and how to charge what we charge. The other conversation is the fear that you said when when people are dealing with money and that is money. Um, there's a lot of shame with money, embarrassment, admitting that they might be in debt or over their head or not know how to read a P&L. So how do we go about that um, from the moment they bring us in? talk to us, uh, have a face-to-face -face interview where we challenge the conversation around money. And we basically say, nobody really knows what the heck they're doing. That's the whole reason we learn and we have coaching and we have mentoring. Um, so we're really transparent that the culture around entrepreneurs is super, uh, you know, be an entrepreneur and make a million dollars. That's not, 
that's not really how it is. So um, we're really transparent about that out the gate with businesses. So this podcast is all about the idea of overcoming adversity. And you may, reading over your story, you may, I love the idea of it. What's the best time to start a business? Oh, in a recession. Yeah, that's fantastic. So for the people listening right there, kind of walk us through your story, how this all kind of came together. Uh, yes, and it is. The best time is to start a business is during the recession. Just go and look at how many people started one right now. Uh, for us, for TNT, we started in 2008 during that recession. Um, and I was laid off three times in one year because I was an accounting assistant and human resources assistant. So A, assistants always go first. That's extra um, revenue being spent that businesses don't want to pay. And then the first in, first out philosophy. You just get hired and you're the easiest to let go of. So after I was laid off for the third time, um, the shame, the embarrassment, the humiliation that comes with that when it comes out of nowhere, I knew there had to be a better way. So we, we launched TNT for that reason, um, that entrepreneurs needed help to make sure they have, they have enough money to either hire the people they have or keep the people they have um, and, and know what was coming down the pipeline financially. Also, the second part is to treat people with dignity. It's humiliating to be let go of, um, no matter how it happens, whether you have two months notice or you know you get brought into HR. So we really thought we could do better um, leading business owners on what it's like to be on the other side of them during a crisis or a hard, a, a hard financial situation. So that's, that's why we launched TNT. Do you remember if it got easier from the first time to the third time getting let go in that one year? Oh my gosh, the third time was just absolutely devastating because I couldn't realize what, well, what am I doing wrong? How come I keep getting hired and then let go? Like, am I failing? Am I not meeting expectations? So first time, you know, it's always a shock, but the third time was, was devastating. How are you able to get yourself out from that mindset? I know some people kind of stay in that, that, uh, that sadness, that kind of, that horrible place right there. How are you able to get yourself out of that? Uh, how was I able to get myself out of that? Well, um, just, I think I didn't want anybody ever to be in charge of my financial well-being anymore. And so I just kind of, how, do, uh, bottom line, I think is, is that we're all fighters and you can either sit back and cry about the situation you're in, or you can get better and do better and be more. Um, and when, we launched TNT, it was really that, like I was already broke, so might as well be broke creating a solution. And so that helped my soul a lot because then I was working towards something instead of wallowing in despair. Have you always had that, you mean, the that positive mindset, like even at a young age of saying, okay, well, I have nothing, let me try to make something? Because I mean, it's, it is, it's easy. I mean, it can be easy to say, I'm in a bad spot. I can just stay here for a little bit and just soak this in. I mean, some people don't always fight back. Yeah, victim mentality is easy, easy to, it's a familiar comfort zone for a lot of us, that, that victim mentality. Have I always been a fighter? Yes. Uh, you know, you can, you can read on the bio on our website that I was a foster youth. And so um, I was in the system, uh, abused, all of that stuff, four years old and had 20 words vocabulary. So I've been fighting for my life since day one. Um, and I think that really, yes, while it hurts and we all go through some really hard times, um, that's, 
that's just as yucky to sit in as in fighting for the good in the world. So walking through kind of, I mean, and we'll get back to kind of where you are now in 2008 and that kind of story, being a foster youth, I mean, walk us through your childhood. If you're, if you can kind of jump into that a little bit. Um, well, it's the, maybe not typical. I don't know. It's typical to me because it's my life, but, uh, both of my biological parents were drug, drug addicts. My bio dad was a dealer. My mom was substance, uh, you know, uh, did other things to make sure she could get drugs. They just weren't healthy, good people. Um, and by the time they abandoned, I have a couple sisters too. By the time they abandoned us a couple times, the state took us away. Um, and, and when we were placed in foster care, we were in there for almost three years, I think before we got physically adopted because my, they were in jail. So they would keep saying, Oh, we'll go to all the parenting classes and do all the things. But finally the state took away their right to decide that. Um, so my parents, my adoptive parents, I call them my parents, really provided us. Um, they were tough love. They were very strict. The social system kind of told them, hey, these children might never love you. Your goal is to get them to be contributing members of society. So they did everything. We were on all the therapies, everything that you can think of. They stayed away from the drugs. They just kept us talk, 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 talk therapy. Um, and so they really pushed us is, is tough love. You know, growing up, you think your parents are the strictest parents ever, but I think that they had a very tough job, um, keeping us focused on becoming contributing members of society. Wait, so that's, that's what they tell foster. I mean, foster parents, at least your, your foster parents, where they, they met, they met your kids may never love you, but you have to keep on the right path. I didn't know that. Uh, I don't know if they provide it now. This is a long time ago, so I'm really hoping that the um, the training has gotten a lot better. And my parents now are CASA advocates as well. So the training they have gone through now is a lot more how to work with children who are tra- who have gone through trauma. Yeah, they yeah. and I think my mom would always say that that really set her up for the most success um, because here you're just pouring unconditional love into children not expecting it back. So that is your whole thing. You just give what you have to give. And so it's not a transactional relationship. It's a transformational one. So yeah, my, my parents were told that as they were going through their, their foster care training. That, that had to be, that had to be tough right there for, for them and well, and yourself. And so, so you're, you're growing, you're, you're adapting. Did you, I mean, in high school, where do you go next after you're kind of like growing up? Uh, well, we were, we've been with my parents for a very long time. So high school, eighth grade, um, we moved. High school was great. Um, you know, competitive swimmer, graduated as valedictorian. So I think that that um, my parents did exactly what they were meant to be. Of course, you have to be your own fighter. You have to do your own thing. Um, so I was provided the opportunity and I took it, I took it full force, went to college, um, marched in the marching band, still competitively swam and played water polo. Um, and I just, I loved learning. Took 26 units a semester. Like I just, I've always loved learning and and trying to get as much information as possible. Um, I met my hus- husband at Fresno State. We've been married for a long time now. So um, yeah, that was what was next. Did you ever see, looking back to that time when you were when you were in college, did you ever look at the idea of starting your own business? Or, I mean, because you're in corporate worlds, did that ever kind of cross your mind, or what did that? 
No, it never crossed my mind. And looking back, I like loved learning, but I hated school. I hated sitting in the seat for an hour. If you could just plop me down in front of in a library, I would just that would have would have been what I would have loved. Um, but in college, no, no, it was never on my brain to branch out. And my parents are both entrepreneurs. They own their own business. So it's I don't know why it was never even a path I took. But I thought, hey, get a college degree, go join the FBI um, <laughs> and do all the things. But that that was not me. <laughs> So, so walk us through. Okay, so, so now we're, we're, we're in 2008. You got let go three times. Uh, your second kid on the way, a new mortgage payment. You said it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So, and then you said you started TNT. So did you bring on other, other individuals with you or who was the original core when you brought on, uh, when you built out the TNT platform? Uh, yeah. So it was me for a little bit and then, um, Melly, who's our elite account manager, she was with me. So she's been with me for most of the journey here. Um, and now our team's 15. I think we're at 15 right now. How, how, uh, how soon after you built your, the business, started the business going to you brought Melly on? Um, I want to say maybe it was a year and a half. So the first year and a half was, was just me. And then she came on board. Do you, what do you think some of like the, the biggest like um, hurdles that you had to kind of jump through in starting your business from being part of a corporation to kind of starting your own corporation? Gosh, well, when I left, I thought I knew everything there was to run a business. And very quickly, you learn that you're wrong. Um, so in that time, it's all of the paperwork that you have to file and file it correctly. Um, what you actually charge people to make sure you're making things meet when you, it's just one person, it's super easy. But then when you want to scale and make sure you can afford other people, it's like a different, you're not just a freelancer anymore. It's, it's a different way of thinking. And I didn't realize that when I launched the business that um, there's so much more to it than simple. This is what you charge and this is what you make. How, how did you, how did you learn? Um, how did I learn very quickly when I said in my brain, okay, well, I want to make a gazillion dollars and then I want to pay myself a fraction of that. Um, you have to learn what your overhead is and what the, the hidden costs are, I guess you basically say that people don't even factor into when they charge people. So very quickly, if I wanted to make a hypothetical situation here, if I wanted to make 75,000, then I had to figure out, well, what's on top of that? do I actually have to charge in order to do that? Oh, and now we have to bring someone else on who's going to make 75,000 a year. What do we have to charge on top of that to make sure that we can do that? And then now we want to hire four more people because we're super busy. What do we actually have to charge on top of that? So then very quickly, our prices went from $35 an hour to, you know, $90 an hour to $150 an hour in just a short span of time to make sure that we were, we were factoring in all the costs of the business. So when you're when you're raising, I mean, when you're raising your pricing, right? And you had your original core of people that were, I guess, receiving one one pricing. What's the conversation when you have to go back to them and say, "Hey, we're changing our pricing." <laughs> That's always a tricky conversation to have when you're changing your pricing. Um, basically, you know, I'm not even going to say I'm good at it because this is not a skill set of mine. But when you come back and say, "Hey," um, 
this is what our new rate's going to be. Um, we appreciate what we've done. This is how we've served your business. And we hope we you see that there's enough value in it to now charge this rate. Um, or sometimes we just say, hey, your contract's renewing and this is what the new price is going to be. We've tried a couple different ways and none of them have felt very good. So I'm probably <laughs> not great at answering that question right now. <laughs> um, we've lost people who said, nope. I'm not paying, I was paying you $35 an hour. We are not doing a hundred percent increase. Like, sorry, no, how, no way they leave. They realize how amazing we are. And then they come back and they pay it. Um, sometimes they don't come back. Um, it's, it's been a, a various scenarios that have happened. What, I mean, when you're raising your pricing, when you're kind of growing and expanding, are there, were there ever moments where you're just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to go back to the corporate world or are you fairly set like this is my plan i'm doing it um i am unemployable so for a brief moment <laughs> where i might have pretended that it would be easier to go back to someone i can't i can't do the nine to five i can't dress a certain way because that's what you're expected to do um no so there wasn't there wasn't a time where i said hey i don't know what i'm doing i'm going to go back to the corporate world it was probably like hey i don't know what i'm doing i'm going to start a different business which i did a bunch of times so or the other businesses. Um, I started a jean company called Victory Brand Jeans with two other women that bombed. I think the first year we did it, we did a blinged out gloves company where we put a bunch of sparkly things on gloves, did a jewelry making business, um, did a, just a solid only bookkeeping business. Um, I think that was all of them. Maybe there was another one. I don't know. But um, yeah, every time I would think I wouldn't know what I was doing, I would want to be a startup again because startups it's easy what do you, what do you i mean i have to ask you so why do you think the, the idea of a startup being easy where, where does that come from um so i think now that it's come full circle from a startup in 2008 for tnt to an established business in this recession um yeah. or going to be recession is that you have so much more responsibility when you have more people on your team um, that are relying on you and their families are relying on you so being a startup, it's like fun. You have some capital. You don't have a whole lot of responsibilities. It's a whole lot of innovation. Um, that's it's it's very different than what it is now. With with being a startup, did you? I mean, with your husband, I mean, was it was a lot? I'm guessing a lot of support to allow you the opportunity to, to do the startup. Or did you have? Do you guys live on a fairly, or did I mean, I guess previously live on a fairly like minimal means? Yeah, yeah. When I uh, got laid off three times in one year with a new baby and a, a mortgage, we went like frugal, as frugal as you could be. $20 a week allowance, um, which my husband wow, just wow. like looked at me and said, what? Um, and here we are 12 years later and we still only get $20 a week allowance. Um, so we still live extremely frugally and debt free. And um, so, yes, yes, a lot changed when we we were broke, too. I mean, when we were both employed to when I was launching a business. So, so $20 allowance for, for both of you? He gets $20, I get $20. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> when, do, when do you think that you guys might be able to get a raise from $20 to $30? You know, it's super funny. We have kiddos and um, they make $10 a week. 
And so uh, I don't I don't know when when my husband and I will get a raise, but I think it should be pretty soon, except they think they should get twenty dollars a week and we should all make the same. So um, it's in it's in the works. The negotiations is happening in the family right now. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> what um, so if you could look back at that, that young kid, the one in high school. What do you, what kind of advice do you think you'd give to him? It sounds it sound like you had a pretty pretty set goal of kind of growing valedictorian and everything like that. I mean, is there any kind of any advice you'd give to that that young kid? Oh, the young kid. Um, it would probably be that um, not to take everything so sensitive. I think that as I've grown old, older, I've really started learning and accepting that other people's voices around me aren't, they aren't just out to get me. When you're in fight or flight, you think everybody's out to get you. But I think that young kid, knowing that not everybody is out to get you and what they're trying to speak truth into you, um, take it, do what you will with it, but don't just disregard it because you think they're attacking you. Because... Um, I think that if I had listened to that as a high school student, um, that I would have not moved faster, but maybe been a little bit emotionally healthier to uh, tackle life's obstacles that have come my way. Was there was there a moment when you where you came to that epiphany, over, or was it just something over time? Um. Gosh, maybe three years ago, really started getting intentional with my mentorship and, and leadership as our, our company expanded um, and people are really looking to you for leadership. I had to level up my leadership in order to be someone worth following um, and worth guiding and mentoring and being that person that I had to be a whole lot healthier as a leader. So I think three years ago, um, started on a very intentional one year long um, leadership class where I became, oh, their opinion, it's just an opinion. They're not attacking me. So I think that would have been where it was, um, that it nothing to do with me. It's just how they viewed the world. And I needed to respect that versus internalize it and think it was about me. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. And I think it, it can be tough. I mean, I always, I tell this to people that I, that I talk to all the time that, you got to try to soak in as much information as possible, but be careful of where the information is coming from. Because some people might be the wrong information. Other times it, it could be the right, but at least you're listening to them. You can kind of pick and choose. Yes, agreed. You're trusted. Um, so, what, so what's next for, for TNT? What's next? Uh, I think, you know, we wish all entrepreneurs were financially free. Um, entrepreneur poverty is a real thing and people keep it hidden and, you know, only talk about it in their growth clubs or with their business coach, maybe not even their business coach. I think that's, that's what we're really shooting for, um, is financially free. Like it's a different way of thinking when you look at your books to realize what it takes to grow your business. So for us, you know, worldwide domination of financial freedom, that's what's next. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a, a great, great mindset. What do you, so if someone's looking for your services, um, if trying to get a hold of you, what's the best forum for them to, to reach out to you? Our best forum would probably be email. Um, people wanted to reach us. It's info at TNT dynamite.com. Um, we're, we're pretty speedy on our re 
emails and replies. We love text messaging and emojis and that sort of stuff. Um, we're, I mean, we'll return all the phone calls all day long, but we really get a lot of people just texting and emailing us. So that's how we, we communicate a lot of times. Well, if someone right now is listening, they started their own business, maybe they're afraid of kind of looking at their P&Ls or afraid of, I mean, of getting there to financial freedom. What's some kind of uh, maybe a game plan to at least get them on the road? What's something that they could probably do today to at least get them to feeling at least comfortable to giving you a call? Is there anything they can do with their, their numbers, mindset, anything like that that you could maybe... So anything someone could do right now if they had zero PL or anything like that, what they could do? Yeah, yeah. They're they're basically kind of a yeah, just a business owner and they're kind of all over the place. They have an idea, but maybe uh the first place probably to start is to get their bank records and there you can see transactions and deposits and income, and that is a first place to start. Like if you don't know where your money's coming, look at how many transactions you have. Are you going to Starbucks a ton? Are you going out to eat a ton? that might be the first place to stop if your if your money's not coming in the way you want it to. And then just start something in Excel. You don't need to buy QuickBooks, which by the way, it's super cheap um, to get QuickBooks. It's less than $20, $25 a month if it, it's just you. So it's not a big expense. Um, if Excel, Google Docs, um, open you know, org, use any of those places to get just a running balance of what you're doing. So then when you go out and bid a job, you can make sure you have enough for payroll the next time. Well, thank you, Chris, for, for being on the road to growth. Uh, any last words of wisdom, anything that you wanted to relate to the people listening right now? Yes, thank you for having, having me on here. You are a great host and um, I love your thoughtful questions and how, how you kept this rolling. It's, it's talking about money's hard. So I think that would be the only thing that I would leave with is that Anything that we do that's hard, there's a reason behind it. So finding out what the source is. Are you ashamed of where your books are? Um, are you excited? Are you actually scared to move on? So you don't want to know what your finances are because you, you're, you're self-limiting beliefs. You don't want to push past them. Um, are you scared to talk to your team about what's actually going on? So I think that's talking about money's hard. So just challenge that status quo that debt right now in the United States or actually all over the world with Corona, it's very normal, um, unfortunately. And actually taking the first step to talk to someone about it just takes the weight off your shoulders. So I, I think that's, you're not alone. I guess bottom line is you are not alone and um, we're here to support you if you're ready. Thank you again, Chris. Ho hopefully everyone listening got some great information. I mean, take the first step. If, if you started your own business or looking to start your own business, I mean, start on a, a strong foundation. Call Chris. If you're afraid to call Chris, at least start the start the process today and build a game plan so you can call Chris in a week from now, a month from now, or maybe two months from now. But we all have our, our path. You will get there. So thank you again, Chris, for, for being on the thank podcast. You. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.